Documenting that you are knowledgeable about a topic doesn't cannibalize future business, it facilitates it. Many people ask me, was it worth it? Was writing a book worth all the effort, all the time, all the money, all the investment that you spend on doing something like this? And for me, it absolutely is. Tune into this episode or follow my LinkedIn newsletter to find out more about this book writing process to determine if it's right or not for you. I've pulled out some of the great advice that I've discovered on my own and consolidated it into this episode that you can hear right now. This is season five, the great debates of our times. Season five will be centered around the great debates and we will be comparing and contrasting different viewpoints on various topics that are consuming the public discourse at present. The reason I've decided to take this approach is because we, or at least many of us, are losing the skill of debate. And I think this is an essential skill for us all to practice once more. I don't see how we get to the point of saving the world and saving our planet if we don't know how to discuss our differences. I also think that the solution to most of our challenges is somewhere in the spectrum of views, but never at either extreme. I will be working with guests to curate the content and discuss beforehand I will understand their positions, their areas of genius, and navigate my questions around that so that the conversation is challenging and stimulating without being combative. I hope you enjoy season five of Where I Just Launched, the Sustainable Innovation Podcast. Is writing and publishing a book a good strategy for business and professional growth? Do What Matters, the purpose-driven career transition guide has now been live on Amazon for about two months and is moving into a new phase of global availability and resources to go alongside it, including workshops, corporate speaking events, book clubs inside organizations, and in November, I'm planning to release some audio. A book can create an entire industry, as many internationally acclaimed authors can attest. James Clare, Atomic Habits, is an inspiration for me, not just for the brilliant content of his book, but through the absolute simplicity and elegance of his business model. Michael Watkins, the first 90 days writer, has also been a source of inspiration from the sheer longevity of his work. I first read it in 2006 and he's still updating it on various versions today. Do What Matters is here to stay. I infuse significant amounts of knowledge and insight from practice and will continue to leverage its incredible value across my business and any other ventures I may move on to. I've put together a few ideas to encourage others who may want to explore book authorship as part of their business strategy. Here's what I'll cover. The biggest question on everyone's mind is probably, is it worth it? And then we move on to what does it actually mean to be a number one bestseller? And what are you going to do with that once you've achieved it? Why are you writing a book? You really must ask this question. And what does that even mean to your intended audience? Is this something that they consume? Do they consume and read lots of books? Do they listen to books? Will a book that captures your knowledge in sort of 200 plus pages cannibalize your main business? Commercial rights, this is a real banana skin. How much can you integrate of the work of others into your book? How do you go about promoting a book as a first time author with an average sized audience? How do you sustain your products and your relevance over time? So let's deal with that main question first. Is it worth it? For two solid weeks at the end of July and early August 2022, I had the joy of being an Amazon bestseller, briefly, 
and a hot new release across various categories internationally for a sustained period. What an honor to have, especially considering the six months of my life that it took to produce the book, including the two months where I hardly had the mental capacity to work on anything else. Although the euphoria is somewhat wearing off, and I'm only just recovering from the post-launch depression, yes, giving birth to this project has many psychological similarities to childbearing, or at least so I'm told. It's time to account for whether or not this was all meant to be. I know that most people listening to this episode will never undertake the painstaking process of writing a book. And even if you do, you may never publish it. This was my story over the last 15 years with the first book I ever wrote. And I remember my dad doing the same for years after he took early retirement for health reasons. Book writing takes time, determination, sacrifice and book marketing takes all of those ingredients and more. Having gone through it, I've narrowed it down to five fundamental questions that need clarity and strategy before you can produce a, and sell a winner on the bookshelves, particularly as a first-time writer. When I work on my second book, I will let you know the journey to repeat this success. When you are clear on these five things and build strategy around it, your authoring process should yield some result for you. Let's start with why are you writing a book and what does that even mean to your intended audience? In today's age of video shorts, micro learning and bites and bites of free content, writing a book is not a decision to be taken lightly, but the marketplace continues to have a relevance for you if you have some really great key ingredients and if you get them right. Here's what you need to ask. Is there a ready market for my broad topic? And the answer to that question is to do your research. How much does anyone care about what you have to say? Let's use my book as an example because there are two important points to be made about the numbers that you will find as you do your research. My book, Do What Matters, The Purpose Driven Career Transition Guide has definite broad topic appeal, possibly too much. If you type in the word job into Google search, you will get 12 billion results. You type in the word career, you get in excess of 11 billion results. This is something that has a lot of appeal and a lot of answers. Of course it does. According to the International Labour Organization, the world has a 59.3% labour participation rate, people of working age who are employed, ignoring the dark invisible economy of employment, of course. At some point in a year, each one of those people is contemplating a career change and consuming content about, about how to do it and whether they should take action or not. There's a great case here for content in this space. But a niche that says career and or job will see you and your book lost at sea. Once you've established broad appeal, it's time to find your niche inside that appeal. The key things you need here are what changed in this space that you want to write about that's pretty recent and topical? How is it likely to evolve in the future? So how much staying capacity will that change have? When I search for, let's say, future of jobs, I get 1.8 billion results. When I search for future of careers, I get 2.6 billion results. And if I look backward, history of jobs, history of careers, I get 2.8 billion and 4.9 billion respectively. So already just putting a time lens on my research topic gives me a, a smaller niche. Once you've decided your orientation about the topic, what specifically in there do you want to explore? So in my case, I added sustainability and or purpose to my search and the results kept niching down. Once you understand that your area is still interesting to pursue, validate that you are competent and credible to talk about it and are willing to do any required research to allow your topic to add value, 
then you're pretty much ready to go on this on this question. What does the book mean to your audience? So I'm going to address this one from a different perspective. Why are you listening to this episode? My guess is that authoring a book has been on your mind and or you are curious to assess how this may fit in with what you want to do in the future. Anyone can write a book that's relevant to a given audience. The main question for you to answer is who is in your audience today and what are their needs? Are they relevant to the book you want to write? If not, you have a problem that will require deep pockets if this is your first book. Because, essentially, if you're writing a book that your audience don't want to read, you will need to build a new audience. And if you're starting that process without having engaged that audience, that's going to be tricky for sales. Here are some general audience considerations and then more specific ones. I wrote an article on LinkedIn about all the different aspects of this process, which you can find if you go to my LinkedIn profile and to my newsletter. There's one bit that you need to get clear on early as it relates to your audience, which is how personally invested are they in your journey versus their own. So what I mean by that is that for most of us, when it comes to writing true accounts, guides, self-help, we have a pretty vanilla story. Sure, we've overcome some challenges that felt monumental to us, but for the majority of us, there's ultimately little to differentiate our journey from anyone else's. Therefore, I'm recommending that the central character of your book be the reader, and your role is to be the supporting guide. It's Storytelling 101. There are exceptions, so some people have really exceptional stories of both success and hardships they've had to overcome that readers want to know about because they want to be that person, right? They love the drama of your story and they want to step into your shoes. If your story has that level of drama to it and intrigue that draws people in and you feel ready to share it, then by all means, write with the central character as yourself. Otherwise, step aside in your writing and allow the reader to explore their own drama, which is actually really rewarding for them. How specific should you get when focusing on your reader? This depends entirely on the parameters you set when you're niching and how easy it is to build an audience around that niche. For Do What Matters, my niche is still fairly broad. The aim was to capture people from ages 27 to 45, let's say, who have worked within a big corporate setting, either as an employee, freelancer, or contractor, and are finding it challenging to bring about the changes they would like to see. I think this is a pretty big group of people. Of all the niche parameters though, age is probably less important. The book only requires that the reader has experienced some of the examples I've used in the book. How do your readers actually articulate their own challenges and struggles? And to answer that question, this can only be research or through lived experience of coaching others going through the same thing that you want to write about. There are many ways to conduct research, as a desktop exercise using popular search platforms like YouTube, Google, TikTok, Quora, Answer the Public or Reddit and others, or surveying people in your audience who fit the change context. Anyone with something original to see and or a unique perspective on a topic that's trending and relevant should give book authoring a go. The key lessons I learned were these. Set up the story. Use your assumptions and research about the reader to craft the context up front to help set up the book and keep the reader intrigued until the end. Blend facts with anecdotes. People aren't robots and books that are too fact-based aren't necessarily relatable and won't be finished. Now that isn't really based on fact, but it does feel true, right? We want to read provocative and opinionated stuff. We also want the facts, unless it is a work of fiction, 
take the best of fiction, opinions, perspectives, and the best of true accounts, facts, and shared experiences, and you may have a relatable story. Still, just note that fiction sells way better than truth. Well, a book that captures your knowledge in 200 plus pages cannibalize your main business. The short answer is yes and no. <laughs> the key is in how you set up your business and where this book fits in the overall scheme of what you are trying to accomplish. What do you want to achieve for your brand or your business or the message with this book? If you want to amplify brand awareness, credibility and reach, a book could be a fantastic vehicle. Your promotional cycles will have much more reach in terms of impressions, engagements, and the book will have purchases. This is also true. Not because you've put your wisdom into the format of a book means that everyone will consume it in that way. I want to tell you a story about an author I really love. Her name is Ash Ambergy. I listened to her audiobook, The Middle Finger Project, in February 2020, while I was still in the early stages of my business, and I related so much to her perspective on life although I shared nothing in common in terms of the specifics of her journey. What I loved is the way she audited her life and experiences, and that's a skill I felt I knew how to do very well. Her insights from her experiences also struck chords with me. By the end of the book, I had an entire symphony orchestra playing in my head about all the ways I could embrace her gift of stringing words and ideas together to produce something that moves people. I signed up for her email list and I've bought and consumed almost everything she has ever produced in terms of courses. That's the power of the written and spoken word in my view. When you consume it with intensity and veracity and it has that impact, it creates almost an immediate behavioral change. The book should fit neatly within an overall business model and or business strategy for you. And central to that is reaching the audience that is crucial to your strategy. So let's look at some examples. Your book could give methods, examples, and steps. This can lead to a course that provides accountability and guidance to the participants, or a set of workbooks sold separately with useful content to support the reader's journey, or a set of speaking opportunities at companies who can compensate you for speaking by purchasing copies of the book for staff. Or you can win the SEO on your niche and sell thousands of copies. Or possibly it can help you to build an audience for subsequent books or it can become a podcast you can monetize, or a YouTube channel, or it can become a character on TikTok that develops into an influencer you can monetize, or you could be featured in PR campaigns globally and receive more and more recognition. I could go on and on. Your book must form a considered path of your business plan, and then you need to execute the strategy you set and or adapt if compelling evidence suggests another path is better. Documenting that you are knowledgeable about a topic doesn't cannibalize future business, it facilitates it. I'm going to repeat that. Documenting that you are knowledgeable about a topic doesn't cannibalize future business, it facilitates it. This works if you are clear on your strategy. Commercial rights. How much can you integrate the work of others in your book? This is a banana skin, big and slippery. It's something self-publishers can run foul of very quickly. If you are used to producing content for public consumption, i.e. free content, free blogs, free articles, free comments, free posts, please be aware that the rules change when it is used for commercial purposes. A book that is sold internationally can be exposed to copyright issues across various jurisdictions depending on the law in different countries. If you want to use a substantial quote of another person's work in your book, my recommendation is to first check what rights they have passed on, as some works may be covered by a Creative Commons clause. 
If there's no Creative Commons attribution, then write to the person or organization and seek their permission. If you are ignored or permission is declined, you could turn next to fair use clauses, which is vague at best and can leave you exposed to legal action. The final option is to remove references to others' work within your work. Spend some time understanding a bit about copyright if you are self-publishing or seek guidance from your editors as this can become an issue if you achieve a critical mass of sales. Bookselling platforms ask you for a declaration as to your publishing rights before they allow you to publish, thereby absolving themselves from any responsibility. It's therefore up to you to cover your own ASS. How do you go about promoting a book as a first-time author with an average size of audience? Your audience truly matters so much. A first-time author needs to harness and channel the actions of their audience and their following upon the launch because often they do not yet have the scale to sustain performance of the book for long periods. This is key to achieving the first initial acknowledgement of bestseller status as Amazon recalculates its bestsellers using an algorithm that considers purchases in the last 24 hours as more relevant than purchases last week, for example. If you are doing a book for the first time, you need a launch strategy and a launch plan, and your audience needs to know what to do and exactly when. The best-selling status is important because it helps you to leverage the initial bump of support from your audience and scale it after the launch. There'll be various opinions and advice about how long before the book goes on sale do you start talking about it, how much do you reveal about the book cover and the name, and whether or not to create an email list or a community. I'm certain that I don't have enough experience to give you all the answers about what's the right approach. I can only share with you what I've learned. During the period of promoting the book, my Instagram following on my at Catherine and Byam account grew 7% in three months, much faster than any growth I've experienced on that account. My TikTok account was dormant until a few weeks before the launch, so the data there is pretty meaningless, but I did see 800% growth by being regularly active, at least on the platform. My LinkedIn following grew roughly 2%, but my impressions grew something like 24%, and engagement grew 43%. I look at those numbers today, but at the peak of the launch, I'm sure these figures were even better than they are now. My direct messages increased exponentially also, but this is more based on sentiment rather than data. I didn't previously track how many messages I was receiving randomly, but during the full week of targeted launch activity, this engagement definitely spiked. I was receiving double-digit DMs on a daily basis. What does this mean for your brand? One of the questions I've had from a few people is whether or not a pre-order is worth it. On Amazon, a pre-order is only available for Kindle, and it allows you to consolidate sales that convert on the launch day. There are some important things to note though. Although the sales will be recorded on launch day in your KDP publishing account, the sales are already counting when they happen on the precise day that they happen toward your bestseller and new category metrics. I believe that I will always do a limited period pre-launch of between one week and one month for the following reasons, which may not be the same for you. So you will need to evaluate this on your own. But number one, the algorithms on social media where I promote the book don't show post to everyone on the same day that I post. It can take weeks for a post to run its cycle. So it's a good idea to have a window to capture new interests and trial for your book at a low price. 
Number two, it gives your audience time to decide. In traditional marketing circles, this isn't a good idea as they promote concepts like FOMO, fear of missing out, and pressure selling tactics. But if you are ethically minded and want people to decide on their own, not just to purchase, but to read it, you will reap the rewards with early reviews if you attempt the pre-order process. People also then anticipate the release, they build excitement, and it's positive for early reading. At the time of writing, I have 13 five-star reviews, six of them from early readers, and the rest from people who bought the book upon the launch and felt compelled to give me feedback. This is good, as at this early stage, it shows people have excitedly read and want to talk about the experience of reading it. Number four, you have a nice period to be legitimately promoting your work as much as you want to. For me, that's psychologically positive. I feel more like I'm talking about the journey I'm on than I'm trying to hard sell anything to anyone. Five, it creates a mental anchor for people on the price and subsequent changes. Price will always be an incentive for a purchase, so a pricing strategy is important. And it also creates time and space for others who want to support you to share the book with others and offer some of their credibility with followers to you. I've picked up many new followers from this journey. Let's move to organic marketing. I generated organic traction by doing the following. Audience participation on the name of the book. Audience participation on the book cover. Sharing of the table of content. Authenticity about feedback from beta reviewers. My personal journey of writing. My reasons for writing. My credibility as a writer. My credibility on the topic. Linking it to my existing podcast. Publishing a new podcast linked to the book. Creating a community of supporters to help with the engagement. Prizes and incentives for creativity and sharing asking directly for support and sharing my big hairy goals about the book, as well as sharing early reviewers post-editing from the beta review stage. Let's talk paid traction. At the moment, I've used only one form of paid support, choosing book influencers as the way to go. I will be integrating other forms of paid support in the form of direct ads, but influencer marketing I found to be an interesting space, even though my verdict is still out on how beneficial it is. My exploration into paid support is ongoing. I will certainly update you in a few months once I've done ads, but my thinking today is that I will probably change the sequence, the next book that I launch, and do some paid ads first, and then use influencers. The, the point about using influencers and about paid ads is about memorability and about being top of mind. If someone's new to your world, they need to see you a few times before they know that they, they're sure that they want to, to purchase this particular topic. It's part of building trust. How do you sustain your product's relevance over time? Enter the PR campaign. I've been shy about PR for my business over the last four years or so because I didn't feel like I had accomplished anything PR-able. <laughs> I just serve my clients. I opted instead to have newsletters or LinkedIn or Medium, Thrive Global, host my podcast, now two of them, and then follow up on leads as they come to me. But the book changed that for me because authoring a book has changed my perception on my sense of accomplishment. It's not just that I serve my clients. I serve my clients and I've learned so much from doing that. And I've now captured that knowledge into an affordable package of experience and wisdom that could be useful for anyone. So that really fills me with a lot of confidence that what I'm doing is something worth shouting at the top of the hill about. PR requires a few things, including being crystal clear on your strategy, 
and practice at delivering to that strategy with each interview. I'm still learning here. I worked with a PR consultant called Melissa Hobson to get clear on the direction I wanted to go in. She wrote about that on her website. I also worked with two other consultants, one in Trinidad and one in the UK. They have created so far two television interviews, two newspaper interviews, and were looking at more opportunities in different places around the world. PR isn't about urgency, it's about consistency and building more for the wider business goals that you have using your book as a lever. Allow your book to make you PR gold. My conclusions. I recommend that you do write a book, but do it with clarity on your strategy. Book writing and promotion can quickly become an industry that you create for yourself. When you consider the number of moving parts that go into it, Finding a good publisher who understands your goals and manages the process toward that is likely to be worth it. But this is a long game and you will have to have the upfront investment. Choose your publisher or publishing support team carefully. Ask specifics about the numbers of sales, the expected return, and make sure that they are helping you to create the longer term business goals with how they position you. I received some really helpful coaching support on the overall marketing and business strategy from Salima Villani and the team at Ripple Impact. They offer one of the most comprehensive packages of support I've ever seen. Other people I'm grateful to, and I cannot thank enough, are Holly Hudson, my book coach, Louisa Herridge, my commercial editor, Fanny Rousseau, my graphic designer, Harriet Pope, my proofreader, and the many, many people who afforded me the permission to quote them in my book, to read, to review, and generally cheer on this immense work. If you want to get your head around your approach about writing a book, why not send me a DM and let's chat. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you today by the brand new Women in Sustainable Business Awards that kicks off in 2023. If you're a business owner who's starting a business with principles of sustainability in mind, and you want to preserve some lost skills, some handcrafting, artisanal work, or you're a social media manager supporting purpose-driven brands, or you're creating fashion or something that is relevant to the sustainability and green transformation, you are more than welcome to join us and to get involved in these awards. Check out our group on Facebook, Women in Sustainable Business, or follow the podcast, Where Ideas Launch, on Instagram to find out more.